Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. Jumping back into our series on the book of John, uh, starting back in John 9, we'll be covering uh, the first half of the chapter, so uh, verses 1 through 23. And due to the length of the passage, we won't be going through every verse in detail, so I'd I'd really encourage you throughout this week to go through the the passage, read through it, pray through it, because there really is a lot there. So John 9 contains the account of Jesus healing a man who was born blind. Um, this is obviously an incredible miracle in itself, but we'll see today it's also a very culturally significant miracle for the Jewish people at the time, and uh, it's still a, a very uh, significant picture for us as Christians today. So this past New Year's Eve, my family and I went to my parents, tried their best to get out of finishing the board game with us. What's the point of finishing? We can't even see the board, they whined. Quickly, I began searching the the house for any source of light. And thankfully, my parents have an entire cabinet filled with candles. So I grabbed as many as I could and started lighting them. And soon, though it was still dark in the room, we could see again. We We could see the board once again. In the dark, what was the purpose of playing the game, right? We couldn't see, but now... That there was light again, we could see where the pieces needed to move. Uh, there was purpose in the game once again, right? And in a way, this relates to our life. Um, ever since the fall of man, this world, verses right now, starting to verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples are asking here a very earnest question, right? Why was this man born blind? What caused this man to suffer from his childhood to his his present age? And Jesus starts answering this question in verse 3 here. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, um, the idea that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to people who do bad things. Uh, I, I had a coworker once who be- didn't believe in God but was convinced that karma was real. And this, this is a similar mindset to what the disciples are kind of showing here, right? Um, the Jewish leaders at the time, they believed and taught that any suffering was as a di- direct result of a person, person's sin or their parent's sin. Um, and it's true, there are repercussions for sin. There's, there's natural consequences for sin. Uh, like if, you, if murder's committed, obviously there's suffering there. Um, but the, the Jewish leaders are taking it to a whole other level. They're, they believe that if a child was born with this, is a very important part of being a Christian. But we don't earn or lose God's favor by completing or not completing any amount of penance. Amen. For those of us who trust in Jesus for salvation, 
we already have his favor. As it says in Philippians 3, 9 through 10, uh, it says that those of us who trust in Jesus, we are seen by righteous by God, seen as righteous by God. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of Christ in us. So the favor that we have from God is not something earned, um, but is out of his mercy and out of his love and grace towards us. So back to the passage, the disciples are confused as to how the man was born blind if suffering, according to their theology, was a direct result of sin. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So when Jesus emphasizes here that the suffering happened to this man, he's saying that his blindness is a result of living in a fallen world like we do. Um, and the same goes for us today. Just like it says in this passage, all of us have sinned. Um, sin and its repercussions are death and suffering. They affect all people. And we may simply face suffering because we live in a fallen world. This might seem kind of heavy, but our, purpose, our, our response to this doesn't have to be despair or submission to this darkness. We do have hope. So let's look back at verse 3 in this passage to the rest of Jesus' response to the disciples. He says, um, a consequence. And the people in the town, they saw him in the same way. Uh, we'll see later that this man was known in town as a, a beggar, right? Society this time actually saw anyone with a disability as, uh, as outcast. Mostly, due because, mostly because of their theology of where the suffering came from, like we mentioned earlier. But when Jesus saw the man, he didn't see a consequence. He saw purpose. He saw God's purpose for him and for his life. He had compassion on the man, and in obedience to his father, he intervened and overruled the darkness and suffering, healing the man of his blindness. And... This is such a hopeful story for us today, right? We all have had times in our lives where we feel like we're surrounded by darkness. Uh, we all go through times of hurt and hopelessness, not as a result of anything have been defeated. Though we were unworthy, Jesus paid our debt. Suffering and eternal separation from God is, is no longer our fate. We now have eternal hope and purpose once again. One pastor said it well. He entered into our fallen world of sin, misery, and death. He bore in himself the cause of all, sin. And he bought by his death the cure of it for it all, forgiveness and everlasting joy in the age to come. So because Jesus is the light of the world, the brokenness of the world has no lasting power on us any longer. For those of us who trust in Jesus, we may experience pain and suffering in this, in this life, in this world. But we know that there will be a day when all suffering and all sin, one who needs prayer today, come forward after the service and we'd love to, to pray with you. So just to begin heading in the direction of, of wrapping things up, um, let's spec- look back at the passage, uh, starting in verse 4 again. Though we have hope, we as Christians actually have a responsibility as well. Jesus says to his disciples, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. 
So a few things here. First, Jesus is saying, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus is including his followers, us, in this statement. And he uses the word must here, meaning it's not just a recommendation or a good idea. Uh, He's telling us that it's our responsibility to do the works that God is calling us to. And finally, Jesus says, night is coming when no one can work, kind of fall into. So first, first item would be believe. In uh, John 6.29, which we covered a few weeks ago, Jesus describes the works of God as to believe in the one he has sent. This is a really simple one, but it's probably the most crucial of the three items. Without belief in Jesus, the next two items on the list don't even matter. God is calling us simply to believe in Jesus, the one that he sent for us. So I'll ask each of us this morning, do you believe? I'm not asking if you will join our church, though we'd love to have you. We spoke earlier about how the world is filled with darkness and sin. We as Christians believe that though the world has no hope, though all of us have sinned and rebelled against God, just like we saw in Romans 5, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we as Christians are charged not just to believe, but to go and help others believe, to make disciples of all nations. This this charge is a responsibility, but is also a privilege and an opportunity. We have the opportunity to be used by God in leading our friends and families and coworkers into a relationship with their creator. In a world that we mention many times today is filled with darkness, Jesus says to us in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do the people light a lamp and put it under a bowl in obedience to how God is calling us to live. But also, also imagine if we lived even more boldly with this mindset and conviction. We would we'd begin to realize that everyone around us um, that doesn't trust in Jesus in our offices, in our neighborhoods, in our schools are wandering around in the dark without hope, without eternal purpose, separated from their creator. But in us is light himself direction, the purpose, the hope that they desperately need. Though it's the the Holy Spirit working through us, we have the opportunity to be obedient and lead those around us to that very same light, out of the darkness. And just like Hugh mentioned last week, this is one of our core values as a church, is is, uh, leading others to this light. Third and lastly, persist and resist. Looking back to our, in the, in the Old Testament, in the Torah that the Pharisees spent their lives studying, there were lots of accounts of miracles, lots of healing found in uh, the Old Testament. But the one miracle that you don't see, or one of the miracles you don't see is the healing of um, a blind person or giving sight to the blind. Uh, the, the giving of sight to a blind was actually associated with God himself. Uh, It was also prophesied within the book of Isaiah as a miracle that the Messiah would perform. So the Pharisees, they spent their entire life studying this, so they must have known uh, this sign 
but what was their response to the signs? Their general judgment of the situation was, uh, was that of doubt, right? They, they looked for ways to disprove that this actually happened. Uh, first, they focused on the one law that Jesus broke uh, by performing the miracle, which was healing on the Sabbath. But then the group was still divided, we see in the passage, tempted in our own lives to uh, give, in the way, give in to the way that the world thinks, to begin to live for our own comfort, for our own desires. We'll be tempted to cover up the light within us in order to live a conflict-free life. But an important part of uh, doing the work that God is calling us is persisting through the resistance and to resist through the darkness of the world. And how do we do this? I'll, uh, I'll start to end with this reminder from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that sin so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and So finally, to wrap things up, just like the board game at my parents' house, if we are forever surrounded by darkness, what purpose is there to continue on? What direction do we have in our lives? Let's remember that though we are surrounded by darkness, there is hope. Jesus is our light, our purpose in this dark and fallen world. And we as Christians, because of Jesus, we are the light of the world. Let's not hide this light, but lead those around us to the hope and the purpose that they desperately need. Specifically for each of us this morning, are you still walking in darkness? Do you lack direction or purpose? I'd urge you this morning, fix your eyes on Jesus. In his compassion, love, and mercy, just like this man, and to be lights in this world, in our, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, Lord, that you would shine through us, Lord, in everything that we do. For all these things in your name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.